You're listening to the Gamer Podcast. I'm Eric from the Gamer.com editorial team, and this week we've got a preview of Xenoblade Chronicles 3, a review of Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak, and a review of the Klonoa remake. Let's go! All right, here we go. Welcome to the show. It's the first week of July. The summer of Morb continues. Gru has risen. <laughs> it's a wonderful time to be a gamer. I'm joined by George Foster and Izzy Vanderveld. Hello. How are you, fellas? It feels like July. It sure does. It, it feels like, like July. July here. I've been very cold at night. You know. All right, we're not talking about the weather. We're not starting the show with the weather. <laughs> it's, that's, not, that's not happening. Uh, let's talk about the news. Uh, we have a lot of news. It was a newsful week. Is that a, is that a word? Newsful? I like it. It's a good, it's a yeah, good word. Yeah. We're using it. Uh, okay. I want to start with the Bioware news. Uh, Bioware has picked up Mary DeMarle, the head writer of Guardians of the Galaxy and the i i think the most recent deus ex right yeah uh which is mankind divided right yeah yeah so so mary's leaving uh idos which is probably not good news for idos (laughs) very good very good news for bioware um this is interesting because i i have a feeling that uh after the after Square sold off Eidos and its other Western studios, uh, this is probably a bad omen. Mm. <laughs> a lot of devs are probably looking to jump ship. Apparently. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, George and I, I really loved uh, Guardians, so I, w- I was certainly hoping for... I was certainly hoping to see more of that, and it was almost entirely because of the writing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just a great, just a great story in an, in an okay game. Yep. And Looks like we're not getting two. Obviously there's more writers there. Yeah, of course. It is bad news when the lead writer goes. Yeah. Like the head writer. What, 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 I don't know what uh, her actual title was. I yeah. I can do between lead and head, but yeah. I think we will definitely need to keep an eye on Eidos and because I think this is probably a dark portent for that studio unfortunately but we mm-hmm. we'll see uh don't fly away though they're there yeah yeah you know, that's a big boost on them good yeah and uh Bioware certainly needed some, <laughs> some new talent Bioware <laughs> confirmed as well that she would be working on the next Mass Effect game Mass Effect, Ooh. right? Yeah, they they said they confirmed that she'll be on Mass Effect. So. Yeah. I can't like not to not to pigeonhole Mary Demal, but like I associate her so much now with how the Guardian spoke and how you know casual and real they felt that it almost feels like I can't imagine her doing Mass Effect in a way. Like I know Mass Effect has that as well, but I, mean, I just she was, on, she was on Deus Ex as well, like that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Maybe I just want more Guardians, not Mass Effect. True. Yep. People can be good at more than one thing, George. I'm not. Other people can. Yeah. You were you were news and evergreen. You know. You know. 
Or are you, are you just admitting live on air that you're terrible at Evergreen? I am. I am. I really <laughs> did. Uh, so we got a Ubisoft forward announcement for September. Well, we're going to have a big Ubisoft showcase. There was one last September too, though. There was also a E3 presentation from Ubisoft or, you know, E3 time, something in June. Uh, this is interesting because we've been getting lots of Ubisoft announcements already. And we, we should talk about some of those. And also, there's more announcements coming this month if the rumors are true. So it's a it's surprising that we are waiting two full months for this Ubisoft Forward show. Uh, while they're meanwhile, like they're just trickling out information. So there was a somewhat reputable rumor that. Avatar is still coming off this year. It's coming out in December. There was another rumor that Skull and Bones is getting re-revealed this month. Oh, that got confirmed. Week, yeah, that's, yeah, that got confirmed yesterday, I think. Okay, so yeah. So, so Skull and Bones is getting shown this week. And then we just found out about this Division mobile game. Yep. That's coming. Oh. Which I, I have some more to say about that. And then we just had a long Mario Rabbids Spark of Hope live stream that went into the details more. We can talk a little bit about that. But yeah, so all all things you would expect to see in a Ubisoft Forward getting their own separate like announcements or reveals or whatever. Yeah. And then and then we're gonna have another showcase and i just i assume that there will be reveals there too maybe maybe some like first looks at assassin's creed infinity or whatever though i hear that's pretty early right they've got that um if i remember correctly it's the there's a project in between uh infinite and uh what was it that was last valhalla that was like supposed to be dlc for valhalla but is now its own thing just to kind of like have something in the middle. Um, right. And there are also rumors of a 2D Prince of Persia game in development that's apparently like completely separate from Santa Time. Mm. Um, that was Tom Henderson a couple of months ago. So those are the sort of things I'd expect to see. I'd love to see Splinter Cell, but it might be too early for that. Yes. We're also, this month is the uh, one year, it's been one year since the employee group uh, a better Ubisoft sent their, mm. you know, their formal list of demands to the company. Uh, no response. Full year. <laughs> no, no real response. A lot of like we're, you know, we're working on this and that, but no. Uh, a few higher ups have been shuffled around. That kind of that's all. right. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad that their presentation isn't happening concurrently with that one year anniversary because I think that. That's something we'll hear a lot more about this month from from that group. Um, but as far as the games go, I mean, what what is there to look forward to? I, I f- first person open world avatar sounds like uh, sounds like Far Cry. Yeah, right. Um, um, which I, as the one of the biggest avatar fans on the planet, the only uh, avatar fan on the planet. There are dozens yeah. Of 
Yeah, me and just the 12 other people who got that movie to a billion dollars. Right? <laughs> yeah, we just saw it a lot, all 12 of us. Um, I, I'm I'm very much looking forward to seeing more about that, and I am surprised it's still coming out this year since we haven't seen anything about that. The, the yeah. first, the old Avatar game was actually decent. Which oh, one? There's five of them. Oh, God. The... The PS3 the one, where, one, you mean, is... Yeah, the PS3 yeah. one, where there were two campaigns where you could either play as a yeah. boring Marine, why, or you could play as a sick-as-fuck Na'vi. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember that. That one is good. Yeah. Um, that one is good. Yeah. So cool. um, yes, I, I was expecting... I know they, that we've known this the whole time, but I, I, I would have liked a third person Yeah, same. with more, that. like, you know, action and combos. And Same. avatar fighting. I don't want to. I don't want to just be. Uh, I don't want to just be a Navi with a gun the whole time or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, it definitely feels know. like a bit of a missed opportunity to put you in first person rather than third person and see you doing all the sick stuff that they do in the films. Like, how do you know how tall you are in first person? Right, like that's got to be weird. Mm. How do they handle that? Well, it's how far away the ground is, George. Same way you know how tall you are in real life. Shut up, Eric. You know what I mean. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, I was, I, I want a lot of mobility and climbing trees and swinging around and stuff. And that you don't always get that in first person. But if they're gonna do like Far Cry with parkour, that could be that could be cool. Oh my god, is Avatar just reverse Tarzan? Sort of is. I don't. I'm not essentializing Avatar with you. That's a different show. <laughs> we can do that later. <laughs> Uh, Mario Rabbids looks fantastic. We we need yep. to talk about this since mm. it since it was shown off. But uh, they have gotten rid of the grid, so it's still turn based. But your characters have a like a movement radius, and you can just move anywhere and interact with things within your space, you like which I think is brilliant. Off before you attack as well, which is cool. Yeah, I think that uh, I think that's so smart. It's uh. It, it's bringing a lot more to like the platforming and action uh, back to, you know, Mario <laughs> uh, and it's, but it's still a, a tactics game. So I think it looks really cool. I'm not psyched about uh, the original character edge, the rabbit, <laughs> the edgy, not... edgy OC edge, edge the, ed- edge, the edgy rabbit. Uh, just cause you know, I don't give a shit about rabbits. I'm not psyched about rabbits. I don't know. How, how do you feel about rabbit OCs? Um, I feel the same way. I, well, I feel similar to how I did about Multiversus, where it's like, this is not why I'm here, but at least the rabbits are kind of an established thing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm okay with it. Obviously, I'd prefer, like, you know, Chuck Donkey Kong or Diddy Kong in there or something, but it doesn't bother me as much as it did in Multiversus. Yeah, I mean, they've they've cut Yoshi. And so it's hard to not feel like, I mean, we we're, we are getting Bowser and we're getting Rabid Rosalina. Those are new characters, but we've lost Yoshi and now we have Edge. I can't even remember Yoshi being in the first one. Yeah, Yoshi and Rabid Yoshi are in the first one. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, it just my mind. It just kind of feels like the Rabbids piggybacking on the Mario characters. Like, they are definitely not equal status, that's for sure. No, yeah, God, no. I quite liked, I think it was Stacy did an article about this, about how, like, 
more games should just do these kind of weird crossovers where you do essentially sure. get like one big well-known franchise elevating the popularity of like a lesser known one but one that's also sort of a bit of a blank slate that you can kind of just do whatever you want with yeah um like i, I do think it's a cool idea and like it, yeah it would be fun to see more of these sorts of like crossovers where it's just like yeah these two different franchise mascots or characters whatever we're going to put them in a game that has nothing to do with any of the games that are not even the same genre of games any of the other games are in um we're mm-hmm. just going to let some devs have fun with it like i think it's quite cool it's, it's definitely the best thing the rabbits have ever been in. So. Oh, yeah. I think sure. I agree. There's been a rabbit game every year since the first rabbit game. Really? Wow. Yeah. How many Rayman games have there been since? <laughs> they fucking killed him. Just two, right? Yep. Uh, and then there's this Division mobile game. Which, I mean, there's yeah. been a lot of mobile Ubisoft games. Uh, I've never played one that I liked. Um, there's been a bunch of Assassin's Creed ones. There was the Mighty Quest for Epic Loot, which was pretty terrible. That one didn't last long. There was that Tom Clancy Elite Squad thing. Oh, yeah. Remember that? Uh, but I, that I remember was... people being pissed off about it. That's about all I remember. Just so really bad. Yeah, Ubisoft is kind of stuck in like a different era of mobile. Uh, I think, unfortunately. There are some good ones. There's a Rayman Endless Runner. Yeah, they're good. All that one's good. pretty good. Oh, do you remember yeah. the Temple one? That was great. The dungeon one. I don't it's think like... that's an Ubisoft game. No, I know. <laughs> it's like, it's it's like Ubisoft in general, though, are just kind of stuck. Like, I can't think of a single game besides, like, Watch Dogs from them that I've really enjoyed all that much recently. Like, that that's a big generalization say hey this company sucks because i don't enjoy their games but i don't know it feels like they've it's kind of lost a lot of the magic recently hmm. i guess that's the problem with like family-run businesses as well as like you do something that works and then it's like it's like oh this is the recipe we've used for generations and it's never going to change because it's always the thing that's sold and it does still sell so why would they bother changing they definitely still sell i know that far cry uh uh, Far Cry outsold the rest of the series. What six did the most recent one? Yeah, Dang. God, that one's. I hated that one as well. I preferred five to that one. Um. Yeah. Uh. Okay. So yeah, Ub- Ubisoft forward in September. I'm sure we'll hear a lot more about all the things we're talking about, and probably some new stuff too. If not the Assassin's Creed we were talking about, then uh, I don't know, Splinter Cell. Maybe one day. Okay. Um, George, Sucker Punch, does this, how sad are you about uh, about this news? One to, on a scale of 1 to 10. Devastated? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I've been saying this for a while now. Um, so context is that Sucker Punch have confirmed that they're not working on Sly Cooper or Infamous, and they don't think anyone else... Well, no one else is. Um, and that sucks as someone who loves both of them and didn't really like Ghost of Tsushima but I've been saying for a long time now that no one believes that a new Sly game isn't coming as much as the Sly Cooper fans do like we, we none of us think that it's happening so I'm not surprised um, I, just, I, I just don't know I just don't think I can take like two more Ghost of Tsushima games until Sucker Punch does something interesting again 
Yeah, I'm I'm sad as well. I like Daryl. I like Sly and Infamous. It's a shame. Mm. I wouldn't even mind, but like, I, I don't need Sucker Punch to do it. Like, give it to um, who did the Concrete Genie game? The names tip my tongue. Oh, that's gonna annoy me. Okay, sorry, I don't know. PlayStation exclusive Concrete Genie, fantastic game. It'll come for you later, I'm sure. Uh, they, if they did a Sly Cooper game, it'd be fantastic. That'd be great. But yeah, guess not. It's kind of interesting to see this like trajectory that Sucker Punch has had, and how it seems like it almost mirrors Naughty Dog, right? Like you do like a cartoony platformer series, and then you do kind of a more mature action game, and then you do like a big Hollywood cinematic, t- yeah. like sucking its own farts kind of thing same as insomniac with spider-man ratchet and resistance really isn't it three of them have moved in the same thing for ages but insomniac's the only one that's really ever like came back to it and said actually no we we like doing fun stuff too yeah Um, and and we haven't had insomniac's like oscar bait yet yeah that's for sure but would you not i guess i wouldn't call spider-man that no no it's like you're comparing Spider-Man to Last of Us or Ghost of Tsushima. I don't. As, as like a first-party blockbuster, then then yeah, yeah, I guess I am. <laughs> there's no, uh, there's no sexual assault in uh, Spider-Man. Yeah, okay. I think. Okay. Spider-Man, I think the Spider-Man story in Insomniac Spider-Man game is like one of the best. Like it was that the fight with Doc Ock at the end, and like the the just the emotion in like yuri's performance it's it's intense like it is oh they know excellent it. like the way yeah and like where he like cries as he's fighting him like it it, it made me tear up I, I loved it i thought it was excellent it's i think good i didn't yeah. love the first two thirds of the game i thought they were fun but it felt kind of like filler and then the last third when all the when all the like sinister six get unleashed and you're fighting all of them, and like the stakes become a lot higher. That's when I really like. That's that last third is the bit that I think is like one of the best Spider-Man stories ever. Like that got me. It's good. What were we talking about? Sucker Punch. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm on the same boat, George. I would love to see more Infamous. I think like I feel like Second Son had a, a lot more potential. Yeah. Um for you know for a sequel or something that ha- had more time put into it because it, that game felt very much like a launch title uh yeah. and i it just seemed like it had so much potential with like those powers and how like unique the the tra- traversal and combat and stuff was in that game um, I, I i loved second son i know it gets like kind of a bad rap as yeah. to like Black Sheep of the Infamous trilogy, but I think it's great. Um, first and Light was really cool as well. First Light was really cool as well. And to see them go from that to... Like, Ghost of Tsushima has its merits as well, but I just don't think it's the same Sucker Punch creativity. Like, mm. at all. Um, I think you get kind of glimpses of that with the uh, multiplayer DLC that had like more legendary stuff, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just kind of bored of it. I'm sure I'll like eat it up like a shit muncher as soon as they announce the sequel they'll go i was the biggest fan all along look my ghost <laughs> tattoo but for now i'm yeah. uninterested uh okay so these next two stories seem related to me at least uh 
this morning we got a a short got a war trailer and a, finally a confirmation of the release date which is november 9th uh and first of all i gotta say the director of god of war uh i he i i am maybe i'm mistaken but uh barlog directed the first one but not the second one right not yeah. ragnarok yeah okay but and either way barlog has been on twitter like fighting people for like two weeks about uh <laughs> like everyone that says like god of war's getting delayed he's like telling them they're wrong and then they're harassing developers and then he's like arguing with them and and it just seems like why didn't they just say the release date two weeks ago or two months ago or like all of that weird buildup and like silence and secrecy to just like put out a 30 second trailer at 6am on a Wednesday and be like, Oh yeah, it's coming out November 9th. Like why they didn't save it for a state of play. There was no big presentation. It's if like we just, here's the random release date. Why was there so much weird buildup to this? Yeah, it was strange. I guess if they, if as soon as people start harassing devs, they do give the release date though, then that just teaches people, okay, what as soon like harass devs, get the release date. Which it is, is kind of what happened though. It does feel a bit like what happened, and there is a chance that is what happened, and that's why it hasn't been a very like spectacular release. I mean, you said it was like what it was six a.m. for you when they announced it, so it's six like... a.m. for them too. Like oh, oh yeah, of course they're yeah they're, they're in Santa Monica. Monica yeah, so yeah, it is definitely a weird time to to announce and that may be a result of like they've had so much pressure and like all the devs are just getting sick of the harassment and they're like okay fuck it like whatever parts of the trailer we've got we'll just like spend a couple weeks like quickly fixing it up and putting that trailer together and then sending it out like however yeah. long ahead of when we were actually going to do it which is I a shame that is the case I, I liked the teaser trailer thing they used but it, it's very similar to the sort of trailers they have when they actually launch first yeah. party playstation games and I, I love them but now would have been the perfect time to do another trailer, like a proper one. Um, instead, it, it just kind of feels like weird to go, hey, this is when the games came out, and here's all of the focus on the collector's editions. You know what I mean? Like, that feels a little bit scummy. And I say that as someone who buys that shit. Like, I, I'm excited for the collector's edition, but... Why, why does the collector's edition not come with a disc? Oh, don't get me, don't get me started uh, on this, is he? Why, I don't want to talk about it. Why, why have stressed. a book collector's edition and not a disc? That is absurd. Surely, why, why have a steelbook? Is that just trying to get people to get two copies of the game? I, it's going to fucking work on me, I know. That's, I that's saying, if, you're, if you're already getting the collector's edition shelling out for that, you're going to want a disc to put in that steelbook. I so... heard some people say it was like possibly due to the PS4, PS5 sort of problem. Like Maybe they have to choose a disc to put in there, depending on the system, and that's just too much work, so they just say, here's the voucher. Mm. I don't know. That seems like fairly, fairly like sort of thing Sony would pull. I but, get that, but then also, stupid. couldn't you just have a PS4 collector's edition and a PS5 collector's edition and just charge the same, or charge Look, five or more for the I game? don't know. It's dumb. It's <laughs> a cool collector's edition. Decisions. It's a cool trailer. I'm glad it's out this year. Um, it will be in the best game this year, like no doubt. Uh, it looks well, fantastic. Eric, help me out here. It's going to be the best game this year, right? I, I'm not arguing Elden Ring with this pervert. <laughs> uh, yeah, probably. Yeah, I mean, the the last. I keep saying the first one. It's not. <laughs> it's not the first oh, one. Like the, the previous. 
one uh it's incredible yep. uh yeah one of, one of my favorite games ever same so yeah i i'm really looking forward to this one despite not having seen much of it at all and being a little bit confused about i think i prefer that um like i don't know when, when the rumors went around last week that they were they had like the release date thing ready sat in a playstation blog just waiting to push out someone said that the blog contained a bit saying we're keeping this like secret on purpose we're not going to show much gameplay until much later and mm-hmm. i was like okay cool if that's the approach and they've told us about it i'm totally fine with that but then right that wasn't there in the playstation blog they just said buy the collector's edition please yeah so i don't know but there nothing will stop my excitement for this game i'm, I'm yeah i'm not it. i'm not worried about it i'm not worried yeah. that it's gonna be bad or something i'm just confused yeah, I mean, are we expecting the gameplay to be that different from the previous? Well, one? it's a different generation, isn't it? Like, I'd like to see what the generational advancements are. Because like, <laughs> it's still on the PS4, there might not be that fucking many. I yeah. was going to say between between God of War two and God of War three, that was a generational difference as well. And I don't correct me if I'm wrong, because I I did last play those games like a few years ago, but I don't believe there was like a massive jump from. It was more set PC and technology based, wasn't it? Like it was more like see you climb Hephaestus or whoever it was. I forget, but like it it was spectacular gameplay. But I feel like God of War's always had very spectacular gameplay, so it didn't seem like a. It's everything was bigger and better, yeah. But like, didn't feel very like new. But I don't think it needed to be. Like it, it was what it was, and it worked. And they've only just introduced all these new mechanics in the last one as well, so. And they got praised for all of it, so I don't see why there'd be too much of a need to iterate much on it. Not not to get granular on footage that was out ages ago, but I think the only thing that we've seen that's definitely different is one, being able to like use the wolves to get places on the ice, and two, Kratos has this move where he like attaches chains to kind of like not jump because you apparently can't jump again, but to like <laughs> attach to a wall and climb. And that's it so far. But I don't know, there will, there will be differences, I'm sure. But we just have to wait. I feel like he didn't have the Blades of Chaos, did he, in the trailer today? Yeah, he, did, uh, he didn't in the this trailer, but he did in the first gameplay footage. Oh, okay, cool. That's good. I was going to say, I don't want to have to... No, he'll definitely start, you'll definitely start with that. I was a fan of the original trilogy. I, like, I found switching to the acts kind of weird. Like it, I got into it eventually, but when they did give me the Blades of Chaos again, I was like, I'm, I'm glad I got the Blades back. Mm. I, that was a good moment. I like the Blades of Chaos. They're cool as fuck. Yeah. So meanwhile, uh, Forspoken has been delayed until January. And yeah, this is a weird one. I can't help but feel like these are related. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, makes you think that, Eric? I wonder. A, they put out a very weird statement, uh, partially reassuring everyone that the game is fine and good and ready, uh, yep. because there has been quite a few delays and there's been a lot of. I guess you would say behind the scenes uh, drama for, for around this game. Um, some suggestions that it was in development hell and like, right. That, that, that there were some big problems and people yep. play, people played it a few months ago and said it was pretty rough. Yep. Uh, so, so the delay announcement was like, it's getting delayed. Don't worry. It's done. We're putting <laughs> the final polish on it. But after talking with our, business partners key partners wasn't it yeah sony like, then 
which I don't think Bas- is basically we were told to get out of the way. That's what it means, right? <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Yeah. So either it's get out of the way for God of War or get out of the way for other square stuff. Uh yeah. because we've got what what else do we have from from Square this year? Uh Crisis Core Reunion. Right. Valkyrie. Um, I think that's it for this year, but then oh, like Valkyrie next year's Elysium. obviously Valkyrie Elysium is this year. Oh yeah, that that was announced September today or yesterday, wasn't it? Yes, I want to say. Um, obviously next year's their big one. Next year's one of the biggest years for Square Enix ever. It looks like, but you know, is is, is Forspoken really gonna like fall against Crisis Core Reunion? That's kind of depressing. I think mean, probably true, but yeah, yeah. I think I we need know. to get out of the way of God of War. I think it is literally just yeah. You you stand no chance. Go to January, the dead zone. I guess so. I mean, I like everything we've seen of Forspoken. I'm into it. Like, I like the movement. Like I like the magic. Yeah, uh, I think it. I think it looks fascinating. So, mm. yeah, well, I guess we'll see in January. A uh, couple more real quick ones. Uh, Lollipop Chainsaw remake in development. James oh, Gunn and Suda Fifty One not involved. Yeah, didn't even know about it. Mm. Okay, uh, I'm gonna. I didn't know about it. Weird. Well, this is what's weird to me. What is this a remake? Because this is a remaster. Do not call this a remake. Yeah, this it, is it, this is a remaster, but they're calling it a remake. And the James Gunn and Suda point. Know? Like, well, you assume why right? They, like, like it's not. Why would they remake it? Like it's only a PS3 game. Like, yeah. Like, well, don't start this. We've got the, the yeah, last. What are you right talking there. about? We yeah, remake I'm... PS3 games all the time. That's all we remake is PS3 games. <laughs> I, I just, I, I don't know, because I know, I know, I sound, I'm going to sound bad because I've argued in favor of the Last of Us. This isn't me saying I don't want a lollipop chainsaw like remake, but I just don't think that's what this is, right? If it's a graphical upgrade, ugh, is that what they said? Here, but... Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's just they've, a graphic upgrade. They've mo- mostly seems to have mentioned the graphics being improved. On like right, one thing that is going to be kind of bad, which like one thing that is going to maybe disappoint like fans of the original is um the original had a licensed soundtrack. Uh-huh. Oh, they've changed that. Like, yeah, they don't have the license for those songs anymore. So like, yeah, the soundtrack's going to be very different. Um, but that, that like that's not a remake to me. Like, well, that to me that's a downgrade if anything. But that's okay. certainly yeah, not yeah, a like, remake. I think with a game like that, like music probably tonally plays like a very important role yeah. I mean, it does music does play a very important role in all things it's in but um especially like, a game like lollipop chainsaw so but to say suda 51 and um james gunn aren't involved like i saw like a lot of worry about that but in the case of it just being a remaster like why would they be involved it's it's just the same game with better graphics and a different soundtrack they don't need to be involved i mean um, you'd certainly want their endorsement right yeah, I, I guess I so. think you'd want their opinion on the soundtrack because, like, when yeah. and where a, what song comes in, it's got especially. I guess. Is like, yeah, is is an important aspect of any project, right? Also, is it Suda Fifty One? I've always said Suda Five One. Suda Fifty One sounds weird. It's the one. Is it? I, I think it's Fifty One. I don't know. Really, I've always said Suda Five One. But no, I, I don't think Stacey Henley's going to hate me. But I don't really <laughs> care about Lollipop Chainsaw. It's, it's fine. I never played it. I don't know. Chad lollipop chainsaw enjoyer Stacey Henley. <laughs> uh, it's like it's like ironically exploitative, right? That's the whole thing. Yeah, 
for. I think. Eddie. Cool. <laughs> uh, uh, her article. Her article on it is is interesting. Like just this, this this thing of like, if we want actual diversity and representation, that also means stuff that isn't necessarily always considered like proper or good. So bimbo. Yeah, I know example, you mean. Like, yeah, I did read. Like mm-hmm. people. Especially like in one, um, I think Stacey in her article mentions Kim Petras, like that brand of like very, and um, even like Slater, people like that, like that brand of very over, very in your face, like sex and bimboness and like yeah, very very overt sexuality is what some people like, and it's like it is cool to have a a video game character that embodies that and does so in like a sort of. Obviously, yeah, it is all made by men, so there's only so far you can take the <laughs> argument, to be fair. Um, and she acknowledges that in her article as well, but I do get the point of, like, it is cool to see that kind of character. Did you see the She-Hulk leak for Marvel's yeah. Avengers? Yes, yes, that was great. That was so good. The guy just keeps saying, like, oh, I don't know if I can say this. I think I can say this. I'm going to say this. I don't know why the... Why the Crystal Dynamics guy didn't just be like, "Well, just don't say it." Like, don't. You're, say it. You're he already, already he yeah. already said it. It was the first word out of his mouth was She-Hulk. Uh, <laughs> like before he started, yeah, <laughs> wishy-washy, going back and forth about how he's an actor, but it, being an actor is actually about not getting callbacks, and you never get the roles you really yeah. like. That was so awkward. So this, yeah, so this Twitch streamer, uh, technique. I, I don't I don't know this guy, but he's doing a stream with one of the lead developers. Uh, I I don't know lead lead designer right yeah Brian Wagoner. Uh, and they're there to show off Jane Much Foster cool. yeah who just who was just added to the game, hmm. and this dude starts going on about how his acting teacher is the voice of She Hulk. But yeah, like as he said, he's like, "Can I say this? This was announced. I can say this. I'm not sure if I should say this. I guess I, sh- I guess I will say this." And yeah, and and Brian is just sitting there the whole time, just looking at him. And then he's like, "And my acting coach is the voice of She-Hulk, but I'm not going to say her name. But, uh, but I could say that, right?" <laughs> and then Brian's like, "No, we never announced that. No." But like, you might imagine. It just and this is going to sound negative as well, but it's like, I was like, oh no, don't reveal our next character, another clone that everyone's known is coming for, right? Ever. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I, 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 it, that is true. I mean, this is not really a secret. Yeah. Um. If if he'd said like, oh yeah, Doctor Strange this is the next character, I'd be like, oh fuck, that's kind of cool. But it's just like, oh. Okay. Doctor Strange not already? I have no idea what's no. in the game or no. Doctor Strange uh, isn't. He'd be cool though. Um no. before we stop talking about news, can we actually <laughs> this is a bit of a silly one, but can we talk about the can we talk about the rise of Gru and the TikTok trend? Oh god, gentle minions. It's so funny. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, I don't know if this is just in the UK, I'm pretty sure I've seen US TikToks as well, but teenagers are dressing up in suits going to cinemas and like buying out like the entire front row to or like front rows like there were huge groups of kids going to see this film in suits um and just losing their minds at it and it's gotten to the point where cinemas in the uk have 
banned teenagers in suits. They're just like, if you're a teenager in a suit, we're not selling you a ticket. <laughs> no gentle minions allowed. Yeah, because they're because they're doing mosh pits in front of the screen and throwing bananas around. <laughs> That's so funny and stupid. <laughs> like it's the kind of shit that happens with cult films. Are like it. I mean, like I used to work in a cinema as like just one of the one of the floor staff so like would yeah. be one of the people like cleaning up afterwards and i do appreciate that it's an absolute ball like 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 rocky horror picture show every cinema worker fucking hates rocky horror picture show right do i mean that no i'm in the room sorry every cinema worker hates the room oh uh, yeah the I've heard plastic spoons everywhere and like people making a mess and it's a ball like if you're working it so I, I know that there's that aspect to it but also like these are the sorts of like weird cultural moments that cinema like is about and like does create and like, i guess weird. so it's, it's just it's just, it's just so inorganic like yes like we all ironically enjoy the room right but that's because it it's a terrible movie that was discovered by random chance and and i don't think anybody ironically enjoys rocky horror like that's actually just a super fun movie and those like events but this whole grew thing, like it came, it grew out of nothing. They, like it grew like, out of nothing. Grew, it, it, <laughs> it's it wasn't like an exceptionally critically panned movie. Like it isn't like a a, a franchise. Like this is it's just a kids movie. It's it, yeah, but yeah. it's people who grew up with Minions and Despicable Me going to see the next one and just having a bit of a laugh with it. No, like, it's it's definitely taking the mick out of it though. It's definitely like it not a sincere is. love it of Minions. No, is, it's like, not it's sincere still, at all. It's Minions funny. are stupid. <laughs> oh, it's funny. It's yeah. it's it, it's funny how um this is just like I've seen this sort of thing on Twitter a million times. It's funny how Sony has tried so hard with the Morbius crowd. <laughs> yeah. And were gaslit into releasing it again, and then yeah. you know they didn't have to do anything for minions besides just have it exist and have TikTok that's, exist. But that's what's so brilliant about it. I think I I love the chaos. I love that like all this marketing and PR and strategizing fucked Morbius twice over, and yet Illumination is just like oh here's a new minions movie, and teens are just like like we're gonna wear suits, we're gonna make like TikTok like we're gonna fucking ruin this cinematic experience for everyone else and take over these screens for like nothing really like it's just so so bizarre and so stupid it, de it depresses so the shit out of me personally that like it's funny but it's also just like <sighs> films are just they're, they're, it's just memes now right like memes have more power than any kind of marketing in the world um, and that's kind of amazing but also kind of like dire <laughs> it would be nice if it led to sort of like companies realizing that just like we don't know what the fuck is going on and cinemas yeah. as well and and so instead of just blocking out months for like one marvel film or one superhero film actually giving every film a chance that would be nice but i don't think that is going to be the result i think they're going to strategize and try and make i don't know why you're acting like like despicable me isn't like a monolithic franchise the same oh, as like marvel it's like there's a, a ride at universal studios like this, this is a heavily monetized like yeah this is this oh, isn't I said, some... I said that badly i didn't mean it <laughs> i didn't mean this is gonna be the precursor and like pinnacle of indie cinema i, just meant, <laughs> I hope it and like obviously it was always gonna be successful to an extent but yeah. yeah of course it's like think, the biggest franchise this, illumination has yeah i just think this combined with 
I think the the effort that went into Morbius, and then like the lack of effort that went into this. What do you mean the lack of like this is a huge Com- movie, dude? I don't know what, you, what like, you're I talking mean, about. I mean, comparatively <laughs> in terms of like the marketing, where where Sony tried to like really jump on that hype of like. You're saying because like, because Minions hasn't reacted to Gentle Minions that it just organically happened, like that that Illumination and and Universal didn't try to get people to dress up in suits and go see this movie. Is that what you mean? I think that's what I mean, but you're telling me. Izzy is afraid of Eric. I like it. Go see the Rise of Gru. Dress up nice and go see the the Rise of Gru. I know what you mean. Don't don't throw your banana at the screen, though. Eat your banana and then just leave the peel, like, take the peel out to a bin. So a poor man. Yeah. I think think the issue for me is that uh, I don't like teenagers. That's the thing. That's fair. You know, Teenagers all... are terrible, and they ruin yeah, things for other people. Yeah, you're an old man who hates fun. I understand that. <laughs> no, they're just selfish. <laughs> There's nothing fun about throwing bananas at the screen. There is if you're one of the people throwing a banana. <laughs> <laughs> I just, you know, there's actual kids that went, want to see that movie. Right? Oh, I, that's the thing. I hate kids, so like... <laughs> I don't give a shit about what they Well, want. <laughs> I'm glad we've gotten to the bottom of it. All right, I'm going to cut all this. Uh, <laughs> let's take a break. When we come back, we have some games. We have Monster Hunter Rise, Sunbreak. And Jade has previews for Xenoblade Chronicles 3 and Live Alive. Izzy, what do you have? Uh, I've been reviewing the Klonoa remakes. Remakes, remasters. Mm, Yeah. And the the embargo lifted two hours ago, but the PR sent me the code yesterday. So, like, I don't have a review up yet, but I can talk about it. Perfect. We can talk about that too. All right. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. All right. We are back. Izzy is here once again. Hello. Hello. (laughs) And we are now joined by Jade King. Hiya. And Santa Luisa. Hello. Uh, so we've got a bunch of games to get through. I want to start with Jade. You have previewed Xenoblade Chronicles 3, which comes out later this month, right? I have, yes. About have you played 30, all the yeah, Xenoblades? I have, yeah. I went in a weird order. So my first one was X on the Wii U, because I, I never played the first one. Then I played 2, and then I played yeah. 1 when it got remastered for the Switch. So this is Xenoblade Chronicles 4, but it's called Xenoblade Chronicles 3? Yes. I, I suppose because X in terms of like, it's almost like a Resident Evil situation. Like it isn't entirely connected in terms of like world building and plot. Yeah. But this okay. one is in this, definitely in the same lineage as 1 and 2, like in lots of like fairly obvious ways. Okay. So tell us about 3 then. Right. This game is a lot. I'm only 30 <laughs> hours in, and it feels like I'm scratching the surface in a lot of ways, which isn't surprising for Xenoblade. But I can only talk about the first couple of chapters as part of this preview. Okay. So essentially, it takes place on... It's not exactly established if it's like a planet or just a land, but it's a place called Ionios, where a bunch of these anime teenagers are being essentially enslaved into this perpetual conflict between two factions who are kind of fighting for this energy resource that 
is both like keeping them alive in terms of like lifeblood and like serving a higher monarchy who I assume are like the bad guys in the game. Mm. And the game opens in the middle of a battlefield, I suppose. Like you're fighting a war and it's slowly coming to an end. And the main character is this guy called Noah, who's an officer, and his job is to essentially both lead a platoon of soldiers and also play a flute, which does a, I don't know what you call it, like it sees souls off to another plane, whether that's like symbolic or it actually serves a purpose. And then you meet these new characters, like there's a cat girl called Mio, who is like, she's Welsh as well, like much like Nia in the last game, which is incredible. Like Welsh cat it's girls. It's a Welsh cat girl. Yeah, it's amazing, Eric. <laughs> then there's like a girl with wings called Uni. She's like, she's a bit of a chav. Like, I don't know what a chav is in America. I don't, I don't know. know. What, is. What, is she, what does that mean? She says in it a lot. Like, in it blood and bollocks. Like, she talks like that. Like... And she's very cute. And like all of the main cast are like, there's only six of them. And it, it feels more focused than past games in terms of like the personalities you're working with and how they intertwine into the main story. And then the first chapter concludes with three characters from one side and three characters from the other side fighting. And then they suddenly, in the midst of this fight, they stumble across a familiar character from past games. So I won't name because it's a spoiler, but fans will like, recognize them and see that significance in what that might mean for this game's narrative and for past games i suppose and in the middle of this big fight they gain magical powers and as a consequence are like freed from the shackles of fate like this higher power that is forcing them to fight and like continue in this perpetual war but as a consequence they're now like fugitives throughout the land so all they can do is accept their fate and just like die when their time is up or try and do something better or to like fight for a better life and get rid of the people on top who are like making them miserable and oh god i forgot a really essential part of the plot so all of these (laughs) all of these like test tube babies they are produced ad nauseum to as cannon fodder and they only live for 10 years once you're once you hit your 10th year in the game they're called terms you just die, like your life is forfeit, and you celebrate a homecoming. Which they, in the mid- in the midst of the narrative, they view this as like an honourable thing. Like you've served your time, and now you're going to a higher place. When in reality, the main characters just come to realise, oh wait, this is really messed up. Like we deserve to live for longer. Like even if we so, were made in this way, we're human beings. And are they kind of killed, like or is that. it? Are they just like genetically? They just die at ten years. Is it like they Logan's kind of run? like fade into nothing, like oh, okay, fade into particles and flow into the sky. And parts of the narrative imply that there's something more to that, but that's kind of the okay. basis of the narrative. Like once they realize that they can defy their fate and they deserve to do something more, like Mio especially the cat girl, because she only has two months left on her clock as the game starts. And a lot of the narrative kind of looks at like this existential humanism and like her coming to terms with. Like, oh, I'm going to die soon and I want to live my life to the fullest, but also I need to live more for the people who I left behind who maybe died before they could reach the the end of their lifespan. And oh, shit, that's some Blade Runner I, it's shit. It's fucking heavy. It's really heavy and it's really well done, despite how, like, 
melodramatic and anime it tends to be. Huh. Despite and the fact that I've... it revolves around a cat girl, yeah. It's about <laughs> yeah, girls. like it's anime as hell. And there's some stuff here that absolutely probably ties into Xenoblade Chronicles 2 and 1. Like there's some higher powers and some familiar names where I'm like, there's going to be some twists that are probably going to blow the minds of fans, but I don't know what they are yet. Mm. And that's just you, the story. Like, And that took me ages to explain. <laughs> you feel like it's important that you've played the whole series? Um, Both yes and no. Because all of these characters, we've never seen them before. This is, yeah. this is a new world, although there are absolutely allusions to past settings that might come into play as the narrative goes forward. And it's really hard to answer that question until I finish the game because right. it all depends where the narrative goes. But much like Xenoblaze 1 or 2 or X, there are, there is stuff in the narratives and some characters that hardcore fans will benefit from knowing. But this is also a game that you could just play, like much like Final Fantasy is in a lot of in a lot of ways. You could pick up free and still have a ball of a time. And in terms of gameplay i think this is arguably maybe the best in the series in terms of all the changes they've made is it turn-based no so it's similar to an mmo i think it's probably the the easiest thing i can draw a comparison to like enemies wander the fields that there's they'll sometimes be like a level 80 enemy when you're level 20 you need to maneuver around them but basically the gist of combat is there's three base classes attacker defender and healer and within those classes are subclasses, which you'll unlock throughout the game, each of which can be ranked up with new abilities and, and costumes and so on. And you, unlike last games where you're restricted to one character inside of battle and you have to wait until after that encounter to switch, with the shoulder buttons, you can now switch between any character whenever you like, which makes combat much faster and more enjoyable as a consequence. Like... There's a pace here that dwarfs Xenoblade 1 and 2. And it makes just generic combat encounters when grinding a lot more fun and bearable. But the gist of combat is you need to... You attack automatically, like in an MMO, but then you can perform arts, which you almost need to do rhythmically in order to chain them together to eventually execute a special move, which can then be turned into like higher and higher combos and chain combos, which can deal like millions of points worth of damage if you do them in the right way. Like it's very over the top and silly. And compared to two, which, and well, all Xenoblade games, I suppose, combat could always feel satisfying, almost placid, like you were hitting it air and like whatever you were hitting mm. wasn't responding. But I feel like in this, both in terms of like the variety of enemies and the scale of them, like, there are mechs the size of buildings you fight in this game who don't fit on the screen. Like you have to like pan out or move the camera upwards to almost see what you're fighting. And that's both ridiculous and sometimes like tanks of frame rate, but it's also super cool. Like mm. and it sounds complicated. And like I've had some people watch me play it and they've gone, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> but it it's very much like deceptively simple. Like once you learn the rotations. And those don't really change depending on the class you're using. It's kind of mm. like, if you're healing, just heal. If you're a defender, just keep attacking and draw aggro. If you're an attacker, just do as much damage as possible. And that's like, I just find it really fun. Like, it's one of the most enjoyable JRPG battle systems I've played in a while. But there's also 
another new mechanic which ties in thematically to the narrative because the magical power I mentioned earlier that they gain as a consequence of the plot is this thing called Ouroboros, which essentially has two characters morph together like Pacific Rim style, like what's it called? Rift, drift compatible. Mm. Like there's cut scenes where like the cat girl's upside down and the the person who totally fancies her is on the other side and they're like channeling into each other's emotions and like seeing their memories and their history. And then once that happens, they turn into like this fucking organic Evangelion mech thing. And (laughs) it's badass. And it's called like Ouroboros. And like those deal incredible amounts of damage. And you're kind of incentivized to use these more than you'd think. It's not quite as special. It can be activated any time, but you need to accommodate like, okay, if if I'm going Ouroboros, they're not going to have healers or a tank for temporary amounts of time. So you almost have to be ready to like mm. commit those actions. And I'm also love how they tie these mechs into the narrative because there's some cutscenes in this game that are just the most anime shit ever. And they're so like well directed and stylish. Oh yeah, this game is good. I've I've gone <laughs> on about it a lot. But yeah. And there's there's a lot more side quest. Exploration feels more worthwhile compared to past games. Like I can't talk about this too much as part of the preview, but Xenoblade Chronicles 2 had a gacha system, basically. Which I was going to ask about that. Which determined like what heroes you'd roll. Some of them would be generic, but some of them would be special, like mm. outside of the main party. But in this one, you have a main party of six characters who, to my knowledge, do not change throughout the entire game. Mm. And then heroes, which there's probably like 25 to 30 of these heroes. And instead of being fodder for gacha and stuff like that, they're essentially either characters who are key to the narrative or people you stumble across on hero quests, which are kind of like loyalty missions in Mass Effect. Like they're extended things with their own storylines and monsters and boss battles. And they don't feel throwaway. Like these are all voiced cutscenes with like motion captured characters and like meaningful stuff that informs the, the overarching story. And I missed out a lot of them. Like I went out on a, on a limb, like, during one part of my, when I was previewing it, just to say, oh, I missed a few question marks on the map here when I was progressing the story. Went to this place, whole new location, like whole new, like Mm. very important plot to this Welsh cat girl. Like I went back to her hometown and she had to deal with all of this shit. (laughs) And that's really impressive because each of these heroes also comes with a new class, which is adopted by a specific character who can then use it. But the thing is like, classes aren't restricted to everyone like eventually every class can be used with every character and you're almost encouraged to switch constantly to gain more experience and gain more abilities and and that's super cool and it feels more a lot of the side content in this unlike xenoblade chronicles 2 it feels less superfluous it feels like it has more of a purpose even like gathering resources or fast traveling or doing a lot of the other little things is kind of like more worthwhile and satisfying even if i suppose the aesthetic of this game is a mixture of the first game's somewhat straight-laced anime fantasy to xenoblade 2's super duper horny like anime fan service like this lands in the middle and i'm happy about that even if the Mm. weaves might not be because 
it's not like egregious or hypersexualized like like two could be at points and that's a relief i think even if some people might be disappointed that monolith is reeling themselves back in i i have not played any of these games but you have definitely sold me uh it's it's good it's a good and like it's huge and it's very uncompromising for someone who hasn't played this series before. Yeah. I've always preferred two to Xenoblade one because it was more almost eccentric and it was willing to do more imaginative stuff. But this feels like the sweet spot between the two, even if it does feel compromised by the switch hardware still like the worlds in this game are colossal, but as a consequence, the resolution's quite low. The performance can hitch, but are you playing bored. on the OLED? Yes, I. If you pick this game up later this month, like I'd play portably if you can, because uh-huh. put, putting this on a 4K display it kind of ruins the image somewhat. Even if like it still looks great and the art design and the characters shine through, right. Yeah, I I feel like this is going to be one that with the inevitable Switch Pro is going to really benefit. From. Oh my god, I'll go back to two and stuff if like <laughs> if they just if two just runs at 1080p on a Switch Pro, like oh baby, that'd be incredible. Yeah. But, but yeah, Xenoblade Three is good. Like I'm chuffed they brought it forward because I feel like the Switch needs a big exclusive like this at the moment. Yeah, and I hope for sure because Xenoblade started off with such a cult classic, and now it's like. Nintendo's biggest RPG franchise next to stuff yeah. like Fire Emblem. Uh that's awesome. Uh we should uh we should talk about it again once it's out and once yes. we, we've had some more people that have played. I'll go deeper into the sick lore. <laughs> <laughs> Always here for the lore. Uh okay, Santi, you reviewed Sunbreak. Yeah, I did. The Monster Hunter Rise expansion. Yeah. Uh and you gave it four and a half out of five, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, tell me, tell me about your sunbreak experience. Well, yeah, I, I loved it. I, I loved it for sure. Uh, yeah. The, the thing that prevent, that prevent me from from giving it a, a full five was the fact that it doesn't feel as much as an improvement on the base game compared to like Iceborne was. Yeah. Respect to Monster Hunter War, like it, it feels a bit more disconnected for sure. I felt the same way. I, I've been playing it a lot too. I just checked. I've got, ugh, I've got eighty hours in yeah. Sunbreak. In Sunbreak already. alone. Damn. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I remember. But well, they they gave us the codes like fairly early, honestly. Yeah, we've been playing it for a while. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I. I finished my playthrough on PC and I'm halfway in my playthrough on Switch already. Okay. Uh, it's it the, the experience feels way funnier with friends for sure. Yeah. But that being said, they did a really well, well, well work with uh, the follower system. I didn't expect yeah. it to be that fun, honestly. Uh, so the the follower system is basically just AI companions. Yeah. In, in, instead of having to play solo or multiplayer, you can now play oh. with bots, and the bots are actually like pretty damn they, good. They are, huh? Yeah, they are good. And you is have that new to Sunbreak. Yeah. 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 And you have like quest lines uh, for each character you unlocked. 
So you unlock weapons, you unlock their their armor sets, and you can unlock them as companions for sure. And it's so well done, honestly. I didn't expect it. I was I remember I was in the first fight with Fiorain, I think, and I remember the character going and popping up some dialogue saying, I'll be right back and they will come back mounting a monster to fight the other yeah. monster. And, and that was so cool because you don't expect a, an AI character for sure to, to do that. Yeah, I think the first sign for me that this was not your typical AI was when, uh, whenever I put a monster to sleep and then uh, I'm sure as you know, the, the meta is to take a bunch of bombs yeah yeah you you lay the bombs down at the monster's head because when a monster's asleep your first hit does double damage so ideally what you want to do is one big strong charged up hit that hits the barrel and then you get double damage on the monster well i put my barrels down and then the ai put some barrels down too right on top of mine and i was like oh shit okay actually the bots know what they're doing yeah, yeah, yeah. That was yeah. I I saw it too, and that yeah, that was totally impressive. Because I mean, sometimes even players don't do that, so it's 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 a really right. nice thing to see. But yeah, yeah, and I've had him run off and go knock out a monster and bring and ride it over too to fight. I I I just think that kind of stuff is so cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then the, the game introduces a, a few interesting fights that I didn't expect. To work that way, like the Lunagaron with the werewolf enraging mode, it, it was so so fun. Like there's this wolf monster, and when it gets when it gets angry after you do significant damage, it stands up in two legs and becomes a werewolf, and it covers its claws in eyes. Cool. And yeah. the fight changes. That's one of the best ones. Yeah, the fight changes entirely, and it's so fun to see. It's yeah, it, it, it's been a good expansion. I just wish it improved upon what Rise bring. Uh, I know people didn't like Rampages, and but I, I, I feel the Apex monsters should have been in, in Master Rank as well, and it's, it's a shame they didn't. I agree. And to be honest, the Rampages... The ran- so the Rampages are like a uh, tower defense. You have to set up weapons and traps and you get assaulted by a bunch of monsters at once. Mm-hmm. And I thought I thought that those were better than say like the Zora Magdaros fights in World. Yeah, absolutely. Or, or any any of the big set pieces in the previous game. I thought that those were decent. But yeah, I was surprised that there was nothing for rampages in this game. And I don't think that the new thing that they added, the Kuros. Yeah. So it's like some some at the once you finish the story you start encountering these curos monsters that are like diseased so they're way stronger and they have this mechanic where they have red spots on them you have to break or they'll explode and deal lots of damage to you and you can't capture them you can only kill them and that's like the new big end game thing but it's not well, very interesting yeah mm. it, it's it's not very inter- interesting, as you say, but I do like it because of one reason. That new system, mm. the, the Anomaly Quest, it's an amalgam of two old systems. In Monster Hunter 4, you have the Frenzied monsters, which were diseased mm. monsters that you couldn't capture, you had to kill. And then you have the Hyper Monsters in Monster Hunter Generations Ultimate, which 
they will have like bright spots that if you hit, you hit double, but if they hit you with those bright spots, they will hit you more. And mm -hmm. mixing those two systems and bringing them back as a new thing, I dig the idea. I think that's, in comparison, I think that's a problem that Pokemon has today. They keep introducing gimmicks with each generation, but they don't care about maintaining them uh, on the long run. Yeah. And that I, I, I don't like because it feels like you don't have cohesion between each new generation. Like they discard entirely those systems. So seeing it back, seeing those two systems back in, in some shape, that was cool to see. But yeah, it's mm. not, I, I, I do agree that it's not the most interesting post-game activity for sure. Yeah, I, I just, I feel like they're, I, I'm glad to see, as as you say, like older systems come back because I feel like this game, both the base game and Sunbreak lost so much of the progress that World made. Yeah. And and while it does, it does some things better, it, it doesn't feel like a step forward. It feels like a step forward and a step back at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I... I think we talked about this before. I do miss so much the the maps in Monster Hunter World. The exploration and the multi-layer maps were so fun to to explore. The tracking you had to track yeah. monsters using the their their footprints or scratches in nearby trees or something like that, and it had this sense of realism that it wasn't like hyper realistic, but it was fun enough for you to keep playing and for you to have fun in the previous and after moments of, of, of the hunt. And they ditched that entirely in Rise and Sunbreak and it it, it, it really feels I, I I really miss that shit. I, it was Me so too. cool. Yeah. Yeah. I also feel like Rise is a much easier game than World. And I don't think that Master Rank uh had a much impact on the difficulty at all. I thought Sunbreak no. was really easy. Yeah. Yeah, I I say this when I play Generations Ultimate back in the day. I finished the the master rank part of that game. It was G rank back in the day. I finished it in four days by myself. I didn't play with friends. Mm. I do remember what Monster Hunter 3 and 4 was. Even Freedom Unite. It was hell G rank. And Mm -hmm. It did became easier, and I mean it's it's not massively easy, but the fact that you can like finish the, the that part by by yourself in a few days it's it says something. And I yeah I do agree. Iceborne Iceborne Master Rank felt way more of a challenge than yeah. this one so for I, sure. I totally agree. Yeah, and I don't know, and I wonder if. I wonder if that's intentional because of the platform differences, because World is like a core console multi-platform game and Rise is like primarily a Switch game with like a late PC port. Like, I wonder if they wanted it to be easier. Yeah, I, th I think so. I think it will be a case because, I mean, it's clearly, yeah, I think it's clearly related to the platform that the game is in, for sure. Uh, I I have to say, I did 
love how War and Ice won't play with the verticality. And mm-hmm. it, like, Rice does that, but in another way. And it doesn't feel, it feels more cartoonish. You know, the wire bugs and all those maneuvers you can do. They're cool, but I remember, like, the hook, the the hook tool in 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 Iceworm, where you could like climb into the monsters, was way more. Yeah, the clutch claw. Yeah, the clutch claw. It was way more fun to 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 use for sure. I yeah, that's the other thing. Like as you mentioned, I wonder if the wire bugs, as like cool and flashy and arcadey as they are, I wonder if wire bugs was maybe a mistake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I can see. And and that's the thing. I can't see them going back from this. In in because what can you do to to keep the mobility as you improve it without keeping this 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 gimmick? Because I mean, at this point, they have to retain the gimmick, or I don't see. I don't see how the mobility can work on a game after this. Yeah, it, it's a really good question. Yeah, how do you? You can't go forward. You can only go backwards yeah. with with it now. And if you do, like, are people going to feel a huge loss? Because it makes every single weapon class highly mobile. Like, yeah, it kind of it kind of takes away some of the class differences. Yeah, uh, and ma- and makes everybody just a like a acrobatic, high flying character the, and like that's a totally different direction for the series you know absolutely the fact that i can like grab the greatsword and and evade with total comfort in the middle of a battle without yeah. stopping to charge the, the the attack it's it's just nuts like uh you can't yeah as you say you can only go backwards and and i don't see people reacting good reacting well to that for sure yeah it's interesting. I'm I'm definitely looking forward to the support for this. Um, I I loved a lot of the new monsters, though. I have to say they did tend to blend together. Yeah, yeah. Because there's a lot of just drag big dragons in this one. A yeah. lot. <laughs> and like I mean, maybe seven of them are just like big dragons. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I mean, uh, they they didn't bring that many new monsters. They did bring a, a few returning ones that was cool to see them back, like Gormagala or Seregius. But I would have loved to see more new monsters for sure. Yeah, I I, I agree. I, I I love Astalos, and I think that fight is really cool. Big yeah. green lightning guy. Um, but yeah, there there's not that many new ones here. Um, and even the variants, there there weren't that many variants either. Yeah, yeah. But the but I, I'm sure we'll get a lot more over the coming months, right? For sure, yeah. Uh, the ones that they announced already, the Lucent Nargakuga, that's the first time that monster is seen from since uh, Monster Hunter Three Ultimate, and that's such mm-hmm. a fun fight. Like Nargakuga is a very fast monster in this special variant uh just becomes invisible at will invisible oh yeah. okay and it's not like you know camellios where you can see the outline of the monster yeah no it this becomes entirely invisible so the fight is really really interesting that's uh, really cool yeah it was it was by far it was the hardest fight in three ultimate so i'm excited for that for sure 
I was I was pretty impressed with uh, Malzino, who's kind of like the box art, yeah, uh, character in this because Malzino can teleport around, which makes that fight r- pretty intense. Yeah, yeah, um, I, yeah, I remember I remember seeing it vanishing and showing up behind me, and it was like, oh, okay, that yeah. that is that is good, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, more Monster Hunter, always great. I, I just, I can't help but compare it to World and to Iceborne specifically, because Iceborne just felt like such a huge expansion. It, it, felt, it like felt like a like, game. Yeah, it yeah. felt like a sequel. And this, uh, this is just like a handful of new monsters, you know, like yeah. a couple new zones. This yeah. is like not, not, not quite as impressive to me. Yeah, and I, I, I felt that with the base game as well. I, I felt it mm. more short than the usual Monster Hunter base game. Uh, it, it Yeah, it was... I don't want to say underwhelming, but it kind of was underwhelming a little bit. I, I had fun for sure, but yeah. Yeah, I, I think World just set the bar so high. Yeah, yeah, no, so. absolutely. Um, yeah, looking forward to World Two. I, I I'm assuming I'm assuming because we have the the is it the 25th anniversary next year? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. E3 so next year, I can see that. E3 next year, I I, I bet we'll finally see World Monster Two or Hunter whatever. Universe. Yeah, maybe oh, Monster Hunter yeah. Universe, Monster Hunter Galaxy. Galaxy. <laughs> Let's take them to yeah. space. Yeah, yeah, but Sunbreak is good and it's selling incredibly well. So I, I, I know it's, yeah, it's man, very numbers. popular. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, cool. Uh, Izzy, why don't you tell us about the Klonoa remake remaster? I need to double check that. It's, <laughs> I, this is a serious know. podcast, Izzy. It's oh, let me actually check it out because the thing is, it feels so like the same. It feels more like a remaster than a remake. Okay. Like, but in a in a really good way, I would say. Um, is it is it like a Spyro reignited level re re whatever re-work. or rework <laughs> re release? Um, I didn't actually play Spyro reignited. What what's <gasps> what's the deal with Spyro reignited? Oh my gosh, Jay, did you play Spyro reignited? I did. It kind of played the same as the original. It's it? it's the exact same game mechanically. Yeah. But it it just it looks incredible. Yeah, it looks yeah. you know the way you remember it looking. Saturated to fuck that game. Yeah. <laughs> then yes, I believe so. I've just checked its Wikipedia page. Um, the the remaster of Daughter Phantomil, which is the first game in the series, hmm. is built from its 2008 Wii remake. Um, right. Okay. So, so it's a remaster of the remake. I believe so. Neat. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, the yeah, it says remaster. The remaster is built from its 2008 Wii remake. Okay. Um, uh Veil is based on its original 2001 PlayStation 2 version. The games have been remastered with improved visuals and sounds. Yeah. Okay. So far, so I didn't play the first one when I was a kid. I only actually played the second one. Um, but I figured for the for the purposes of the review and just to like see how connected they were, I was like, I'll play the first one first because it's the first one that makes sense. That's the only one meant to do. Things. You don't have to explain why you played the first one first. <laughs> yeah, that's what I, yeah, I suppose our, uh, our listeners can grasp that concept, I guess. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it. 
even though I'd never played it, like the sounds and the mechanics are exactly the same as they are in mm. two. Um, I never played either of these. What are they? They're platformers, right? They're puzzle platformers. So they're two point five D. So you typically are just walking along one uh, plane. Yeah. But then there'll be things like in like behind you in the background and in front of you in the foreground that you can sometimes interact with. And occasionally the paths will like kind of diverge and you can like jump up and then it will go like up and around and back. So it's yeah. not just a simple side scroller, like you do kind of move around. Um there's like depth to the screen, which is quite nice. Um there's a surprising amount of uh like flexibility and well not my flexibility is wrong word, but like there's multiple paths in a lot of the levels where you'll go and you'll find little secrets and little collectibles. Um, okay. It's it's just it's very much that era of like very very late nineties, very very early two thousands mm. puzzle platformer, where like everything's very simple, everything's very colorful. Um, the puzzles can get a little bit difficult. I remember when I was a kid, really struggling with some of the puzzles in two. I never actually managed to finish it because I think it did just get so challenging at one point. Um, it it definitely feels so far like a very very faithful remaster. Where, yeah, mechanically, I would say nothing has changed at all. Even um, to a fault, really. Even down to little quirks like uh, you play as this cat bunny guy called Klonoa, and he's got a ring that sends out this little thing. It's called a wind bullet. Mm. And basically, you like fire it out, and if it latches onto like an enemy or like an object, it grabs it, and then you can like hold it and throw it. Uh, and you can use them to double jump and stuff like that. So. There was a really annoying quirk that I remember from the from Klonoa 2, where if you're on a very slight slope, you you just can't grab anything that's above you. Like mm. the wind bullet fires directly like 90 degrees in front of you, like perpendicular to the floor. That's it. It doesn't move, it doesn't bounce, it doesn't like glide, it just directly in front of you, and that's it. And that is exactly the same <laughs> in this remaster. Like if there's an enemy even slightly above you, you're fucked. Like you have to jump and time it so. Things like that are a tad annoying, but then also it's kind of funny because it's like, this is literally the game I played as a child, but just yeah. prettier and more accessible. Yeah. Um, do you do you feel like this is like a good game to discover, or do you think this is just kind of good for the fans and the people that remember it? So far, um, the story of one has not gripped me at all. Like, I'm enjoying it because. I'm definitely awash with nostalgia while I'm playing it. Like, uh -huh. I'm, I, I'm enjoying the... Yeah, I'm enjoying all the sounds. Like, uh, Jay, you've played Kilonoa, haven't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, all the weird sounds where he's like... Duh, 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 and just the, just the weird shit he says. It's very cute just, and whimsical. Like, yeah. Mm. Um, although there's an absolutely brutal moment in the story of... um Of of one. I mean, I, I feel like I can probably give spoilers out for a game that came out probably. 25 oh, yeah, years ago. Probably. It's Klonoa. You're fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> his grandpa dies. I don't know if it's his like actual grandpa or if it's just like a village elder he calls grandpa. But the grandpa dies and uh, it didn't emotionally affect me that much because you don't really spend that much time with him. Like, I think the first time you meet him is just before he dies. So for as, a, as an adult, the scene doesn't have much weight, but it it's it is quite a tragic moment like he's he's there like oh it's your destiny to go and save the world and do this and get this thing and Klonoa is just there crying like begging him not to be like no it's okay save your strength we'll, we'll help you so I imagine a kid playing this game would be like sad it's like Uncle yeah. Ben dying yeah 
But um, yeah, I think I think if you've not played Klonoa, definitely the first one isn't anything super special. Like it's fun, um, mm-hmm. and it's a little bit cute and it's a little bit quirky. And there's an option to um, kind of like in Halo, where you can uh, the master is it the Master Chief edition where you can switch between the original graphics and the new graphics. Oh, sick! I yeah. love features like that. That's cool. yeah. It's it's not as smoothly integrated. Like it's not just a, a one button press. You actually have to go into the options menu. But oh, at okay. any time during gameplay, you can just pause the game, go into the options menu, and turn on like the pixel pixelated mm. version, um, which is quite cool. Like that is. Does it feel like a big difference? Yes, massive. Like. Mm. Yeah, like you, you feel like you're playing a PS One game when you when you switch to the pixelated version, um, and it, even to the extent where things were a little bit harder to like define and make out because it's like PS One's graphics were it it looks how I remember it looking, mm-hmm. but like GTA San Andreas when that came out was like the most gorgeous game ever to me. That game looks like shit. <laughs> <laughs> it <laughs> looks like dog shit now. Like you play it now, you're like, oh my god, this is trash. There's a lot of like. <laughs> I'm sure the same would be said of Klonoa. So I think that's really interesting how I'm playing it now and it, they've not been like, oh, we're going to make it hyper-realistic and you can see every fucking hair on Klonoa's face. Like, no, it's Klonoa. You can recognize it as Klonoa. Yeah. It just looks how you think it looked. Yeah. That game's art design always sh- shunned through, like even on the PS1. So like, mm. I'm glad they've, from what you've said, they haven't gone above and beyond. They've kind of gone, okay, we know people love Klonoa, so that's mm. not mess with it too much yeah it it feels like this is the game you know and loved as a kid but here it is on your ps5 or like your switch or whatever you know like it's here it yeah is. it's here now right in front of you you don't have to dig out your ps1 and deal with all that like long load times and all that shit you can just play it are you um, are you hoping that this is popular enough that there that we get a third klonoa oh can you imagine i i really do I did really love two, and I'm really enjoying playing through one. So yeah, I I think it'd be cool, like, because it, it it's one of those games that would be like double A. So like it doesn't I don't feel like it would need ages. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's not a game that's going to take five, six, seven years of like hundreds of people to make. You know, like it's a two point five D puzzle platformer. Um, all the enemies and stuff can be the same. Like you can reuse most of the assets and just put them in different scenarios and mm-hmm. call it a different game, and I'd be happy. Sounds um, a lot like Ban and Wonderworld. Hmm. <laughs> Be careful what you wish for, everyone. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> Do not smite the good, besmirch the good name of Klonoa. Um, yeah, so far I'm finding the story of. I mean, I was a child when I played too, so maybe the story was just as bad. But I feel like one. I feel like one isn't really saying much of anything. Like it's just sort of good guys versus bad guys. It's just very like simple and. I'm kind of bored of the story. Like I, I'm watching the cutscenes just to like keep track of it all, but I don't really care. Like I'm playing it to play the levels. Like mm-hmm. that's the fun part. And they've got some really, really good fluid platforming sections. Um, so you can chain your, you can only double jump once you've grabbed an enemy because you then sort of like throw them below you and like jump off them to get a bit of extra height. And there's a few sections where you can chain those together. Like there'll be a few flying enemies that form a, a ladder. And so you need to grab one, jump off it, then grab the next one, jump off that to get to a ledge. And there's a few times where there, there's been like, uh, there'll be like a water slide. It's not like an actual like kiddie water slide, but like water through a cave that you're going yeah. down. And you need to like 
to get like a like a collectible you'll need to jump grab an enemy jump off that enemy grab the collectible go back to the slide avoid an enemy that's going to damage you that you like can't grab because it's invulnerable to that um so yeah it's definitely still kept that like that fun fast-paced gameplay and once you've played through a level and you like know how the level works and where everything is you can go through it again and just absolutely blitz it Mm. um i'm sure there's probably like weird speed running tricks that people know but even just going through a level fast is quite satisfying so i think and i think that is a credit just to the original game design like it it always felt like a fun and interesting puzzle platformer like so that that's held up really well um just the actual level design and game design Hmm. that's cool i never um i never knew these existed until like the remakes and stuff so yeah quite a few people said that i'm i'm definitely interested to see how two holds up because obviously that's the one i played as a kid and i remember that having like thematically the story was it was all about like there was this there were these people and this giant robot sort of like destroying everything and there were loads of chase sequences where I think most of the boss fights were you against this big robot thing and the robot like changed between each world and like got a bit stronger or like you had to find it kind of like how Eggman like gets in a new mech (laughs) every time like it felt like that sort of thing um whereas now the bosses are sort of just you've got this weird jester thing who's like um the right hand man of some caped dude definitely a queer character that villain 100% queer coded ahead of its time (laughs) yeah definitely (laughs) Um, but the jester thing just kind of like throws a pile of goo with a little like monster in it and then that monster grows big and they're completely random things they're weirdly colorful the boss fights are like they're fun like each boss fight has its own quirk to it like in Crash Bandicoot but they don't feel very cohesive it's just Mm. like here's a random creature we thought up now it's a boss Mm. and so there's there's sort of a disconnect it's like each world is just it's just there like it it does feel very typical video game like here's the watery level here's the snowy level here's like the castle mm. here's i don't know maybe the desert's gonna appear at some point um here's like the cute village here's the forest <laughs> where and none of it feels like yeah none of it feels connected um mm. but yeah i feel like my memory of two is two felt a lot more cohesive and it felt more like more like a when video games started to become more modern and it was like there's one thread being pulled through the whole thing rather than just here's a load of levels for you to play that are fun and we've sprinkled the story on top of that mm. um but we'll see we'll see when i get to how it um holds up when's Again, your review? review well the review embargo was um wednesday at six p- uh, um 4 p.m but i didn't get the code until tuesday at midday so jade has very kindly given me time to actually finish yeah. the game um do it when you're ready like yeah. no i mean i'm i'm playing through it like as often as i can and before okay. the podcast and after the podcast i was playing it so i'm hoping this week like i feel like i'm quite far through one but i like i've never played one i don't know if it has like seven worlds or if it has 12 worlds you know so i'm hoping it's a <laughs> All right. i'm hoping one is on the short side well if it's up by friday i'll have it linked in the description awesome. and uh santa your monster hunter sunbreak review is up yeah so we'll have that in the description and jade you have a preview for xenoblade yes that will also be up perfect uh then you can find all of that in the description and i think that does it for this week so much content 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, we've got a lot of cool stuff this month. Uh, Jade and I are going to be playing Live Alive. So we can talk about that soon. Jade, have you started playing it? Yes, I will have a preview for that up. Nice. Nah, yes. You, you, yeah, that game like, is wild. Like You like it, it so far? Yeah, it's really cool. Like I can't believe I've never heard of it before this remake. It's such mm-hmm. like an original weird JRPG with so many cool ideas. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited about that one. Uh we also have so we also have Stray. That's not next week, but the week after. And then, Jade, you're playing uh, as Dust Falls. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't think I'm going <laughs> to review for that. I don't know oh, who okay. it is, to be perfectly honest. But I did preview it, and that game I... is okay. All right. We might talk more about that. Then we've got uh, Forza 5 Hot Wheels. Oh, sick. Uh, that's going to be a blast. Um, we Ooh, have Digimon new... Survive as well. Yeah, we have Digimon. We have a new story seasons. We have Bear and Breakfast. Um, yeah. Uh, so we've got. Oh yeah, and then uh, and multiverses will be oh, out this yes. month as well. Oh. Um, next I week I'm feeling I w- like multiverses is already out. I know. Well, is it? Is it All Star Brawl is already out? Yeah, Nick yeah, it's been out yeah. for ages. Okay. Um, I'm also going to be playing the Quarry. Uh, since co-op comes out this week. So, oh, awesome. Yeah, so we can talk about that a little bit more uh, uh, next week. Uh, that's it. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye-bye.